Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. This is a weekly discussion about the Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. Welcome if you are a new listener and if you're one of the thousands who listen regularly, thank you for your support. If you are new, I urge you to listen to the back catalogue of more than 70 episodes. There are stories of joy, of heartache, of struggle, success, people finding themselves, losing themselves, young people, old people, parents, children, and indeed lovers. The Camino is a pilgrimage. Life is a pilgrimage. I'm no expert. I'm simply a conduit providing a means for people to tell their Camino story. And if you're interested in subscribing to the podcast, where you'll automatically receive each episode as it's released each week, just go to the podcast icon on your phone, hit search, punch in My Camino, the podcast, and hit subscribe. It's released each week on Tuesday night in Australia, Tuesday morning in the Northern Hemisphere. So let's go to this week's episode. One of the great things about hosting this podcast is I meet the most wonderful people. I was delighted to be invited to speak at a dinner in the Blue Mountains a few weeks ago, hosted by the Blue Mountains supporters of the Camino. It was a great night. And the Blue Mountains group is typical of gatherings of pilgrims all around the world. People getting together to offer support and advice for those who have walked who, or are thinking of walking. And I was lucky enough to meet David Barrett. And I don't think David will mind me saying he's not 21 anymore, but he's still fighting fit. And the Monday after my talk, my desk calendar threw an Aldous Huxley quote at me. It said, The secret of genius is to carry the spirit of the child into old age, which means never losing your enthusiasm. David Barrett was bursting with enthusiasm. He's on the line. David, welcome. Thank you, Dan. Yes, good to hear from you. You too. And by the way, happy birthday. Oh, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> I'm n- you are correct. I'm no longer 21. <laughs> Tell us about you and the Camino. Ah, I uh, walked my first Camino from Saint-Jean to Finisterre in 2010. And I thought at the end that, oh, well, I've been there, done that. But the Camino stayed with me and I made some wonderful friends and had some amazing experiences. So... Within four months of my return, I had booked my flight to go back again in 2011. And then in 2011, I walked again from Oloron in France over the Saint-Paul Pass uh, on the Camino Aragones and on to Santiago. Uh, then I've still got some more Caminos still to go. So I, uh, I didn't go in 2012, but in 2013, I thought I'd be up for a challenge. And I started on the Via de la Plata in April, and I got did about 300 kilometres of it. I got to Catherine's and realised that I wasn't really enjoying it. And also the waist belt on my pack had broken. So I 
went to Salamanca to try and get it repaired. That was no good. Then I went to Madrid, couldn't get it repaired, but I did get a replacement. So I thought, well, I wasn't enjoying the Via de la Plata very much. So, and it, it, was, it was pretty tough, really. So I thought I'd go up to the uh, French Camino again, have a holiday. So I walked this time from Pamplona to Santiago. I'd still got some time up my hands. So I walked the Portuguese from Porto to Santiago. Uh, then again, 2015, uh, I qualified as a hospitalero. And this time I went to Estea, to the parochial albergue there, and did my two weeks volunteer job as a hospitalero and walked 300 kilometres of the, the Camino. So really that's a quick summing up of my Camino walking. Do you remember how you first heard about it before you walked in 2010? Oh, yes. Yeah, quite distinctly. Uh, I was walking. Uh, I've done a lot of trekking in Nepal. And in 2002 or so, I was in Kathmandu and I went into a bookshop there, which appropriately was named Pilgrim's. So I went into this shop and was browsing through the books and came across a book that said 10 best walks in the world. And uh, I thought, oh, that sounds pretty good. It sounds easy. I, something I can do when I'm much older. So uh, that was how I first heard about it. And uh, it had lain dormant, really, without much, much thought about it until I was doing some volunteer work with a lady and she was looking at all these beautiful photos on a computer. And I asked her where this was and she said, oh, Spain, it's the Camino de Santiago. So I thought, oh, that's beautiful. And then she said, yes, I walked it last year. So of course we got talking and, uh, that was how it all started. So how, how has it impacted your life? Amazing, actually. Uh, uh, I'm not sure whether I, how far back I should go, but uh, in my childhood, I was quite an explorer. Uh, we lived in the country in England, and I walked all around the fields and climbed the tallest trees and swam in the muddiest waters of the local ponds. Uh, so that gave me a sort of exploring and adventurous uh, beginning to my life. Then I walked, I went to work in Baghdad for a couple of years, building palace and houses of parliament there. And whilst I was there, I went for a, a trek with a friend to Kurdistan, which, of course, now is the is the area of so much fighting. Yeah, and that, that was an amazing experience. Uh, you know, we we went with uh, two policemen who were armed guards, and 
couple of mules and muleteers, but the people were absolutely wonderful, so hospitable. Uh, after Baghdad, I went back to England, uh, and I thought it was a pretty cold and miserable place. And I saw a job advertised for uh, Sydney. So I came out here in the early 1960s and uh, bought a house, got married, had children, mortgage, all the normal stuff that you do when you're, when you're sort of in your late 20s, 30s. Uh, but unfortunately, my marriage fell apart. And this, I did various other things. I had a yacht for seven years sailing around the southwest Pacific, and then I backpacked from Sydney to London, which was a three-year trip, just living out of my backpack. And I did other subsequent travels to Southeast Asia, and uh, I worked, I taught, I taught English in China, and I worked as a volunteer in uh, in India at a, a Buddhist medical centre. And I did all these sort of things. And then it was the, the Camino that turned up for me in my life. I walked the Camino and I had, uh, I met the most wonderful people. All, all so interesting. And I just came back a different person. The first people to notice it were my children. And they said, Dad, you've changed so much. Now, I didn't realise it, but I, I seem to be a more compassionate person, not judgmental, a kinder person, if you like, in, in, uh, and ready to listen to other people. You know, if you can't, if you cast your mind back to your first Camino, and and now yeah. subsequently over the last eight years, what has surprised you most about being a pilgrim? Oh, the camaraderie. Uh, yeah, it's a very simple life. It gives you time to think about your life, what you want to do. Uh, and I enjoyed I enjoyed staying at uh, albergues and meeting all these people. Uh, I, I, when I reached Santiago the first time, I felt a real sense of grief, deep grief. I didn't want to stop, so I went down to onto Finisterre, but. If I had had the time, I'd have just kept on walking. And my dearest wish would have been to have, do a really, really long Camino, maybe three or 4,000 kilometres. <laughs> when, when I met you, I was struck by your energy. What keeps, what keeps <laughs> you... No, it's true. What keeps you motivated? Oh... I'm interested in people. Uh, 
Do you mean physical energy or mental energy? Or well, just you just had a general energy about you. I thought, here, here's a bloke who's who's well interested. Yes, was a very good way of putting it. But you just seem to have a great energy about you, and I wondered what gets you out of bed every day. What keeps you motivated? Oh, I'm intensely curious about everything. Uh, I want to know all the ins and outs. So I'm I'm mentally active and I'm physically active as much as I possibly can be. Uh, uh, And other than that, I don't really know. It's just in my nature to be active. Yeah, yeah. And I've said a million times here, it's important for pilgrims to be a good listener. It's very good. It's a good way to be honest and direct and helpful. That's very important, isn't it? Oh, oh yes, very much so. Yes, yeah. And the wonderful thing about the Camino is she can meet someone and just talk to them for five minutes, and they go walking on and they're faster walker. But you meet them at the next albergue and you talk a bit more, and then they walk on further the next day, and you lose track of them. But they're still friends. And from 2010, I'm still getting emails. I got lots of birthday wishes today uh, from people all over the world. Uh, what, uh, there's uh, Prague, I got one, England, uh, the States and Canada. Uh, Spain, uh, yeah, I've got people people wishing me happy birthday. They're actually walking on the Camino now. Yeah. People that I have persuaded, I've persuaded them to go on the Camino. It's a great feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a lovely to be a part of that community too. You know, Alsa Piper, the Australian author of Sinning Across Spain, who has featured in two of my podcasts, told me about a sign she saw. It said, tourists demand, pilgrims are grateful. David, oh, there's, yes. there's a lot to learn from that simple sentence, isn't there? Oh, definitely, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I had that philosophy, really, when I was travelling on that three-year odyssey across Asia and Europe on my backpacking trip. So yeah. you just you had decided then then had you that you really were that this life of a pilgrim kind of appealed to you even before you'd heard about the Camino. Oh yes, yes, yes. I wasn't I wasn't looking for anything in yeah. particular, but I was just interested in all the different cultures in these countries, and uh, uh, and all the people. Yeah, it was. So interesting. And, of course, I, I realised when when I was in Iran, which is supposed to be you know, a dangerous place, the people are wonderful people, and the architecture is outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And they've got no no antagonism whatsoever against the West, not the people themselves. It's just the governments that are... Uh, 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 trying to change our ideas. How old were you when you walked in 2010? 
Uh, 79. What did, you yeah. lear- what did you learn about yourself on that first Camino? Oh, uh, well, look, I, I, personally, I found the Camino very easy. Physically, I mean, but I had been training for six months and I was very, very fit. So I think that's the secret of anybody going on the Camino, to get fit. Uh, But what did I learn? Well, uh, I think we've briefly talked about this before, but uh, about kindness Mm. and thinking of other people and helping helping other people the same as they would help you as well. Yeah, yeah. If if you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering what that noise is in the background, it's finally raining in Sydney. <laughs> it hasn't rained in months. <laughs> and it's just while I'm sitting here in the, my little studio, it's absolutely pouring outside. So I'm sorry, you're just going to have to put up with the noise in the background because we haven't had any rain in a long time. So I'm going to take it. David, being being part of a community, and we mentioned this before, is very important, I think, and we can learn a lot from being part of the Camino community, and in turn we can take what we learn back to our communities. So tell us about what you're doing on the Central Coast. Well, in two, after 2015, I realised that I wouldn't be going back to the Camino. I was getting on in age and I got... Uh, a bit of a health problem. So I've got all this knowledge about the Camino. So I thought, you know, it, it's just wasted if I just sit here and do nothing. So I thought I'd start a group, walking group, with the central theme of the Camino. So I started it in July last year. And uh, there were 10 to 20 people turned up for the first walk. And the Camino is now, uh, the group has now grown to uh, 150 members altogether. Uh, we've got 20 people walking this year. Uh, I got an email today from a couple that have just finished today. And, uh, um, and uh, we've got two hospital errors that have been, and we've got more going next year. So, you know, I'm really happy to be able to help all these people to and to share their enthusiasm. Yeah, and, and so what are some of the lessons that you hope the potential pilgrim will take from your Camino gatherings? I think walking is a great way to keep healthy. That's one. Secondly is... After the after each walk, we have a, a sort of picnic or maybe go to a cafe and we talk. And sometimes these talks, you know, chatting amongst ourselves last for four hours. And the new people that come along uh, want to know about the Camino and we're able to help them. Uh, yeah, I think that's... Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about some of those things. Let's talk about the Camino for people thinking of walking. What's the most important yeah. thing I should pack? <laughs> as little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> but can you, can you really survive on very little? Oh, yes, definitely. 
that that is essential to to it, it's all part of the experience so that you learn the you don't need uh, all the latest gizmos and all the trappings and that the shops are continually trying to sell us. All you need is the clothes that you you close, change your clothes, and a really good pair of well-fitting boots. Uh, yeah, so that's essential. And, of course, you really do need to be fit because then you don't have to worry about getting blisters. I've never had a blister and I've never had any trouble with my feet, but I've always been careful to get, get fit before I go. What about somebody listening who thinks, I couldn't possibly sleep in a room with 90 other people? Can we get enough rest staying in albergues? Uh well, of course, you're pretty tired at the end of the day. Uh, you, then in the evening, you sit around uh, having a meal, drinking wine, which adds to the uh, not only to the enjoyment of the meal and the company, but uh, it aids in your sleep as well. Uh, and but ninety in a in one room, yes. Uh, it used to be 120 in Roncesvalles, which is right at the start of the Camino. But now that's uh, there's a modern, semi-modern uh, albergue there now, which uh, you don't have to share the room with 90 other people at all. There's 120 other people at all. There is only one albergue I can think of that where there are 90 people. Uh, so I try to head for, uh, for albergues at maybe 8 or 10 to a room if possible. I don't mind if there are 20. Uh, I seem to sleep through it all right. Of course, you have to put up with snoring, but, you know. <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. There's, there's nothing you can That's do about it, it David. You, no, there's nothing you can do about it. Because more often yeah. than not, the snorers don't know they snore. Um, what about sticks? Should I should I use sticks? Some people do, some people don't. I'd never used sticks in my life until I went to until I first walked on the Camino, and they were a great help to me, especially going downhill, because. They they help with your balance going downhill, and there are a few places where the the path is uh, loose gravel, and it's so easy to slip there. But if you've got a couple of sticks with you, uh, it's a great help. Uh, younger people tend not to carry them; older people do. What about the meseta? Uh, there are a lot of people who say. Or skip the meseta, it's too difficult, it's too boring. What do you make of it? Ah, now, I've got a theory about this. I've found that Australians absolutely love the the meseta, but Europeans tend not to like it. And I think it's because it's the 
the big skies and the space and you see the horizons. We're used to that in Australia and we, we love it. It's the freedom. But Europeans are more used to a closed-in environment. The, the country is, countries are more populated. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would never dream of missing the Meseta. In fact, I, if I went back, I would be quite happy if I just walked the Meseta, and that was all. You you mentioned earlier that you don't get blisters. Do you do any anything particular, any special preparation, or is there anything that you could tell us about that could help other people avoid blisters? Oh, look, there are lots and lots of theories and about this. Uh, I can't make give you a definite answer. Uh, I do wear two pairs of socks, the, uh, an inner and an outer, uh, but that's because my boots are just slightly too big. So uh, by wearing the extra pair of socks, the boots are a nice snug fit. Uh, but other people swear by Vaseline or lamb's wool between the toes. Uh, 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 again, I think that if you've done a lot of walking before you go, that is a great help towards uh, um, uh, not having blisters. What shoes do you wear? Oh, I wear boots. Uh, I find that they give my ankles more support. But I've, I've seen, seen that people were wearing everything, sandals, there's one lady I know that walks in bare feet. Uh, a lot of people walk in in uh, strong shoes, such as the uh, um, uh, Merrill have very good shoes. Australians generally have wide feet, uh, so uh, and European boots are generally made for narrower feet. But that's a very much a generalisation. I would say never, ever go into a shop with the idea that you're going to buy a particular make. Get boots that fit you. Go in the afternoon when your feet are the largest. Uh, yeah, uh, that's all really. I, I, boots are a very difficult subject to talk about because some people... Some people will only uh, uh, spend, say, 15 minutes choosing a pair of boots, but you've got to make sure they're as fit, they fit you as, uh, as well as possible. Do you do a lot of preparation, or did you do a lot of preparation before you went? Did you know where you were going to stay? Did you book ahead? No, I never book ahead, full stop. <laughs> I, I, actually, that's slightly incorrect. I always book in Saint-Jean before I arrive, so that uh, because I, I tend to arrive late in the afternoon, and it's good to know that you've got you're guaranteed a bed that night. But otherwise, while I'm walking, I never book. 
uh, and that's part of my philosophy. Uh, if you if you if you walk, then you're committed to walking a certain distance every day. But the way I do it, if I if I'm uh, just feel like walking 10 kilometers and that's all I have to walk or if I want to walk 20 or 25 that's fine yeah but uh, but people a lot of people like the the uh, uh, comfort of knowing where they're going to stay each night and now I've got no 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 uh, it's up to the, the individual I think if you feel more comfortable knowing that you're going to sleep in a certain place each night, that's okay, yeah. Yeah. You know, I've said before that I don't really know what the attraction was for me, but perhaps the Camino was calling me. We don't need a specific motivation, though, do we? We don't need a reason to walk, do we? No, no, not at all, no. No, I, I started off because I thought it would be a... A challenge, but uh, it turned out to be far more than that. Yeah. And yeah. you, you, we've talked about what you've done throughout your life, and and indeed, you said to me once we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and you said I've led a very adventurous life, and you've also led a very busy and interesting life. Can I ask you what's the secret? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's curiosity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to see how other people live. I want to talk to them and meet them and uh, you know, go into their homes and meet their families. And, yeah. and you've got plenty of plenty of, of exciting times ahead, I'm sure. I hope so, yeah. I'll do, I'll do my very best. <laughs> well, I hope we've been able to provide a bit of advice for people thinking of walking the Camino and a bit of reflection for those who have walked. And David, I hope you keep on keeping on for years and years to come. Your energy and generosity of spirit is wonderful. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. But could I say one more thing? Of course very you can. Quickly. Yes, of course you can. Look, people think that it's necessary to walk from San Jean to Santiago. Not at all. You, you walk for yourself. It is your Camino. No one else is. So there's no competition. Uh, and if you only want to walk from Sarah, that's fine. Fine. There's, there's a bit of, bit of snobbery in some places on the Camino that if you haven't walked 100 kilometres, you're not really doing it properly. That's nonsense. Uh, that's last word for you. <laughs> Yeah, you know, someone I saw on, on, on social media during the week, someone put the picture of that uh, sign marker that, where it says Jesus didn't start in Syria. Um, and and yes. I, thought a lot, I thought, when I remember seeing that and thinking, ah, that's a shame. Because I think too often we are judgmental, aren't we? Yes, yes, we are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, having, having said that, if you only walk from Saria, you don't get the full experience of walking a long distance. Yeah. No, that's 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 right. It there is something about <laughs> seven hundred and ninety nine kilometers that 
really drives home what it means to be a pilgrim, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Well, David, thank you so much for your time. You've been very generous. And again, happy birthday. Goodbye. Thank Goodbye. you. Buen Camino, David. Buen Camino too. Au revoir. My guest this week, David Barrett from the Central Coast Camino Group. They meet once a month. and You can find them on Facebook. Just search for Central Coast Camino Group. And I mentioned when I began, I met David at Blackheath, where I was a guest of the Blue Mountains supporters of the Camino, and you can find them at bluemountainscamino.com. The British writer Aldous Huxley said, The secret of genius is to carry the spirit of the child into old age, which means never losing your enthusiasm. When you speak to people like David, you tend to agree. Thanks for your company this week and every week. I'm Dan Mullins, and I'll be back next week with another podcast, another Pilgrim's Story. Until then, Buen Camino.